Every year I know we're gonna go hard. We've been that team ever since Bart Star. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't a bad sport and I'll even wish you good luck. Only thing I will All right, welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast. It's Dane here with Wags. And Wags, it feels like it's been forever since we podcasted. It's been eight days, um, but it feels a lot longer than that. And I'll tell you what, last week we did offensive undrafted free agents that are going to be breaking with uh, the Packers in camp. We're talking defense today. Um, Some of our favorite podcasts to do, uh, really getting to look at some of the guys that maybe don't come in with the fanfare of a first or second round pick, but still guys that could contribute, guys that could theoretically make the team, and guys that in past seasons have made the team. So, Wags, how are you doing on this special Tuesday evening edition of Lombardi's Legends podcast? I'm doing great, Dane. It seems like the draft was a while ago as well, talking about (laughs) it's being a minute since we've had a podcast, uh, but it hasn't been that long either. And so it was really nice to be able to get into the offensive guys last week and now tonight to get into some of the guys on the defensive side of the ball. I'm always one of my favorite podcast of the year to do is these undrafted free agency breakdowns. We have seen it every year we've done this. At least one, if not multiple of these guys that we talk about in this podcast ends up making that 53-man mm-hmm. roster, or if not right out of camp, getting elevated at some point, uh, oftentimes early in the season and, and making some level of impact. So uh, we might sort of uh, look at this list and say, okay, well, chances aren't great for all of them collectively. And while that's true, uh, history tells us more than likely at least one of these guys is going to be part of this roster and probably making some contributions this season. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Wags, before we get into it with the defensive guys, um, I think the big news, obviously other than OTAs, um, but the, the true big news is the fact that David Bakhtiari still not practicing with a lot of the other guys. Um, so what do you make of that? It sounds like Coach LaFleur is saying this is part of the plan, but I mean, by my calculation, it's been about 18 months since David initially injured that that uh, ACL. He played, what, a quarter or so in Detroit late last season. But other than that, he's shut it down, didn't play in the playoff game. Um Cause for concern, just part of the process. How are you feeling about this? Well, um, I know that you have your own thoughts, so I don't want to jump the gun on that. I'm I'm going to choose to be cautiously optimistic on this, even though it, the fact that they made a big deal out of the fact that he is not practicing is definitely concerning. There's a lot of veteran guys that aren't out there for OTAs. So let's just put that out there first of all but how coach LaFleur addressed the David Bakhtiari question I think says a lot if you really want to read between the lines so uh, folks I I rather than just paraphrasing it I would encourage you if you're really interested in this go out there there's video and watch what coach LaFleur had to say um, about uh, David Bakhtiari and you're right he said the right things to try to put this to bed but um, I, I think there was other ways. If I was a PR and wanted to keep this quiet, that I probably would have coached 
uh, Coach Lafleur, and and he's much more well spoken than I am. But uh, the the fact of the matter is, he could have easily just said, uh, "Look." David's no different than any of the other veteran guys that weren't participating in practice. Um, there was no plan for him to be part of OTAs, uh, but it wasn't quite that. So mm-hmm. it, it has to be some cause for concern about a guy that um, was delayed, frankly, much longer to be able to come back last season than I think anybody anticipated. And now we're talking about, gosh, 18 months post-injury, post-surgery, and uh, it, there's not any firm confidence coming out of Packerland in, in what I'm picking up that David Bakhtiari is, you know, over this knee injury. This clearly is a much more significant problem than I think anybody is really ready to admit right now. Um, so, Dane, I'm saying I'm cautiously optimistic, but on the other hand, acknowledging that this isn't nothing. So let me hand this back to you because you've been pretty consistent on this going back all through last season and um, when he came back and, and then even postseason. So I, I think you've had a really good read on this. So I want to just hit the ball back to you and, and hear what you have to say about this as well. Well, I wish I wasn't to be clear. And I hope I'm not <laughs> I'm right about this going forward because David's one of my favorite Packers, but you know, it's, it's concerning to say the least. I mean, this is a guy who we were wondering, could he play week one last year, you know? And, and was that unrealistic? Sure. It was unrealistic, but you know, in modern medicine, these day and age, it's not, wasn't completely out of the realm of possibility if he had come back, you know, and just had like a miraculous, um, you know, return. Now, clearly that didn't happen, but I can't remember the last time a guy didn't come back from an ACL after an entire season. And, you know, they, they've been incredibly cautious with him. They've kind of powered him up, powered him down throughout last season. Clearly there's still discomfort there, or there was last year. Uh, So now they're being incredibly cautious. Um, You know, at what point do you start to get really concerned that one of your best players, one of your highest paid players at a premium position may not be able to go for week one? Um, Wags, we, we talked about it going into this year. I feel really good about the depth on this offensive line with the caveat of David Bakhtiari being ready to go week one. If David's not ready to go, you know, now you're down Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari, arguably your two best offensive linemen and not even arguably your two best offensive linemen. Um, so now, you know, we're, we're really down our two tackle spots. Do I have confidence in Yash Nyman and a ton of other guys? Absolutely. But I would love to see Yash playing on the right side and not at left tackle because if Yash is playing left, that means Bakhtiari is still not playing. So it remains to be seen what happens. We're going to know a lot more in the coming weeks and certainly in the next couple months. But I would really hope that at this point, David was going to be a little further along in his process and they'd feel comfortable with it. And I'm not basing it on David. I'm just basing it on what ACL injuries look like across the league at this position um, when things seem to be going smoothly. Guys generally after 18 months are getting back after it. I'm sure it's frustrating for David. This is no slight against him. It's just a little bit of cause for concern. Is his knee not reacting the way he would like it to? Uh, Remains to be seen, but I'm crossing my fingers because I know nobody wants to play football more than David Bakhtiari, and I I don't think anybody um, wants to see him play more than you or I. So we're just, you know, knock on wood, crossing our fingers that 
things get better and that it is truly just a precaution at this point. Yeah. I, I, Dane, do you think that if he comes back and isn't practicing in camp right away, that that just says it all, or are we just going to see a very, very cautious approach either way, just to try to give him as much rest as possible? I mean, I would have caught me personally. I I'd have cause for concern if he's not, you know, thrown into the mix in camp. And one of the reasons I say that is there is such thing as football shape and, you know, he already hasn't played for a year. Dude's going to have to, you know, get back out there at a certain point and play. Um, And again, this is not a knock on David. It's just, it's, it's, it's kind of concerning and it scares me a little bit that he's not all the way back yet or doesn't feel comfortable or the, the, the staff training staff doesn't feel comfortable enough with him to be out there doing football movements. Even, you know, we're not even talking pads right now. So, um, you know, that's my concern. I I don't mean to be a pessimist. I'm really hopeful that, that I'm wrong and they are just being cautious. But if he's not back, you know, late July, early August out there with the guys, then absolutely. um, Because, you know, he wants to be out there. So if not, there's going to be clearly a reason why he's not out there. And I'm just hoping for the best at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that sentiment. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see and hopefully things uh, turn for the better. And this is all us just being overly pessimistic and overly worried about um, what should be our franchise left tackle. So, Dane, I I don't think there was anything else uh, super newsworthy coming out of OTAs, but uh, just to circle back, anything else that you wanted to touch on before we get into these undrafted guys on the defensive side of the ball? No, I'm excited to talk about these defensive guys, Wags. Uh, I really am. Um, And uh, if you know, I think the way we should do this tonight is just go through position groups. So start on the defensive line and work our way through. Again, we talked about the offensive undrafted guys, our last podcast. So go back and listen to that if you haven't had a chance to uh, to hear it. But um, Wags, I think we should talk about the big man from uh, Missouri right off the bat. Um, you know, and I'm talking about Akeel Byers, um, big man, six foot three. 288 pounds again coming out of Missouri. Um, the Packers surprised me a little bit, drafted a defensive lineman late. Um, you know, they they obviously had Jack Heflin, who I think you and I really liked on the squad last year. They've added free agents. Um, we we think that a TJ Slayton can ball. So, you know, I think this is one of the more um, stacked defensive line groups we've had in some time. And I haven't even mentioned Kenny Clark yet, but um, I completely expect, um, you know, Akil to come in and battle for a spot. Um, what can you say about him? And, uh, you know, have you been able to take a look at, at some of the tape on this young man? Well, I, I think the, the biggest thing for me that stood out with him is, um, you know, he was a high school All-American. So I think the just going back to the pedigree and in addition to, you know, his size, obviously beyond the defensive line, a lot of experience playing in the SEC, so high-level football, um, 52 games played, played, made 20 starts for Missouri. And so I, I think uh, right off the bat, that's going to be something that it's worth taking a chance on this guy that uh, did not get drafted. Um, also, a kind of a connection to the Packers, uh, worked under former Packer defensive line coach Jethro Franklin, and he talked about um, in some of his quotes um, after signing with the Packers how much uh, uh, Coach Franklin meant uh, to him and his development 
and how he really pushed him to get better every day. And so I, I know that um, that's probably uh, not for nothing uh, that there's that a uh, little bit of a connection there with Coach Franklin and uh, with Byers um, signing with the Packers as well. Um, so I, I think one of the things that uh, is really interesting to me, uh, just taking a step back and looking at this defensive line group uh, overall, Dane, I I can't say that I'm surprised that the Packers invested in the mm-hmm. defensive line this offseason, but we invested in free agency uh, with uh, Taron Reed. We invested in the draft in the first round and then, uh, you know, getting uh, uh, spending another draft pick and then. And now in undrafted free agency, we picked up two more guys that have played a lot of high-level football, both of them a little bit older. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, we'll we'll kind of go through here in a moment. But um, I think it's really interesting that uh, the Packers clearly wanted to not only um, really ratchet up the amount of depth that they came into camp with on the defensive line, but really ratchet up the overall athleticism and talent um, on this defensive line group all the way from top to bottom um, when you're looking at uh, the guys that project to make the 53-man roster and those that might be battling it out, uh, perhaps just to, to stick on the practice squad. But, uh, you know, injuries are unfortunately part of the game, and, and it seems like the Packers have uh, unfortunately had such little depth at defensive line over the last few seasons. That's really played a role in struggling at times. And so I think um, uh, this was clearly a big time game plan uh, coming into this off season. And I, I really like getting a guy of buyer's caliber um, with the high level of competition that he's played and, and his athletic background. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps he can be that late bloomer that comes in and just figures it out here at the next level. Um, and uh, so I, I really uh, think that he's going to have a chance to battle and, and might be a little bit more of a project, especially for the de- defensive line guys uh, that go undrafted. You don't tend to see them make that jump. Jack Heflin is an exception to that uh, from last year, but um, I'm not counting anyone out. And, and I think Byers, uh, particularly with his experience um, and um, his size, um, 34 inch arm plays with great leverage, yeah. uh, strong hands, and, and it can really, uh, uh, have some pop right at the line of scrimmage uh, could be someone that could be in the thick of things if he starts off strong in camp and is able to stay healthy. Yeah, really good interior pass rush, I thought, in college, just kind of looking through some of that. And um, I'll tell you what, stop me if I you've heard this before, but he's a high school wrestler, and it seems like the Packers like that uh, out of guys uh, in, in some of the past drafts as well. So a guy who, you know, just kind of fights through blockers and is just kind of nasty, you know, a little tenacious there in the interior. So to your point, somebody that I think that we're going to definitely keep an eye on. Anything else that you want to mention uh, on buyers? No, I don't think so. Let's uh, get to the next guy. And just for the record, folks. I made Dane agree to do all the name pronunciations tonight. I'm doing the best I can, uh, but uh, this is a challenging one. So we're going to try to get these out there for you so that you know how to uh, uh, impress everybody at uh, the bar when you're talking about these undrafted free agents. Yeah, Wags, totally spot on here. And and this this one may be the hardest. So if you're listening, my man, uh, we're trying our best. 
Um, so next guy we want to talk about undrafted defensive lineman, Haodi Pututau. I'm going to say it again. Haodi Pututau is, is uh, our, our new friend's name here uh, along the defensive line. Um, I'll tell you what, really like the vibe of this guy. Just kind of taking a look at um, what what he does. Um, big man played at Utah, um, kind of a rotation guy. So you know what, kind of an interesting dude. He didn't um, he didn't start a lot of games in college. So right off the bat, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I, I counted twelve games, I believe, that he started in college. So definitely not one of those guys. But he played a fair number of special teams. Um, and I think that that could be incredibly important. Um, and, you know, playing a, a little over a thousand snaps, um, a lot of those actually came against the, uh, the, the pass and not against the run. So, you know, I think the Packers are always looking to improve that interior pass rush. Um, you know, we saw Kingsley Kiki leave last year, partway through the season. I think they're always looking for a young guy to bring in uh, some more punch. And I, I you know, I look, I look at how Odie, as somebody who is definitely a practice squad candidate, but has the ability and the possibility of maybe flashing in training camp a little bit and trying to earn a spot on the 53. But again, stacked defensive line this year. So I really think that he's going to be working his way uh, to try to make the practice squad. Um, but I do like what he's able to do. Um, he had 45 total pressures, Wags, and eight sacks. That is nothing to sneeze at with only 12 career starts. So he did have some production. He's a big guy on the defensive line. And clearly, I think the Packers see something in him. And I don't see a reason not to bring him into camp and get some work out there. He seems to have a really high motor, great attitude and energy that he's going to bring. And I think he really loves to play the game as well. And those are all pluses, I think, in our book, especially when it's an undrafted guy trying to earn a roster spot. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, um, this is a guy that obviously is a little older, as you mentioned, um, six-year super senior. He's I think he's sneaky athletic. Um, I I don't know if everybody realizes he played linebacker. um, And I am sorry if you mentioned that. I didn't hear you say that uh, before he got moved to the defensive line after coming back from his LDS mission. Um, I love his quote. (laughs) Uh, After he came back, he he said that uh, he gained a few pounds on his mission. I came back and they put me on the defensive line. So (laughs) I I gained a few pounds is what he said. (laughs) So, um, you know, I I think it's it's one of those things where, you know, he may not have a very high ceiling uh, given his age and and kind of um, the amount of time that, he's been in college and, and kind of where he projects size wise. Um, he doesn't have quite the amount of leverage and probably not uh, as much of a base um, in terms of, of the size that he brings to the defensive line. But I'll tell you what, um, I think he uses his hands really well. Um, I think he can move around uh, on the defensive line and, and is shifty um, for uh, where he's at. And so there could be a place for him, yeah. Dane. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how he performs, if he gets pushed around a little bit, or if he's going to be able to come in and play with the physicality. Um, you know, I know that he's going to play his heart out. And so he's going to be in there trying to do everything he can to make an impact and stand out. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit of a tough sledding. Uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, I'll be rooting for him. But um, I, I don't know that 
um, there's a, a real clear pathway for a 26 year old converted linebacker um, to with the depth that we now have on the defensive line. It's hard to count anyone out though. So I'm excited to be able to see what he's able to do in camp as well. Yeah. You mentioned his hands. I mean, he, he plays with a violence in a very positive way. So that's, that's a, a plus in his, his column, I think. So we'll just see how the chips fall, but you know, to your point, Wags, it, it's always, it's an uphill. He's definitely an underdog story, I think going into camp, but also he wouldn't be in camp if the Packers didn't think he had something to show. Right. And that's what I think is so exciting about um, all these undrafted guys is like, you know, the Packers give these guys opportunities. And if he can make something of it, I promise you he's going to earn a spot, folks. And that's, you know, that's what's so great about this. Um, Wegs, do you want to hit our, our advertiser right now, maybe? And then we can roll into linebackers and DBs after? I think that would be an excellent idea. So um, let's talk about DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, DraftKings, official sponsor of the NFL. Of course, it's NBA playoff season. Actually getting into the NBA finals, finals. now. Yep. Uh, and uh, not the matchup a lot of Wisconsin sports fans would have hoped for, but I think it should be a pretty good one. So, Dane, uh, what are you and your wife, Andrea, doing on DraftKings to try to cash in here on the NBA finals? Well, I, I've learned over the years, my wife hates Boston teams with an absolute passion, which is just fine by me. So I think for at least the next week or two, she's become a, a, a Steph Curry fan just, just because of her dislike of Boston if for no other reason. So, um, you know, DraftKings Sportsbook has been so great all season long, first with the NFL, now with the NBA wags. Um, you know, you, you get on their app and you're able to bet on these games, maybe bring a little more intrigue and interest than you might normally have for some of these other sports that aren't football. And my wife is no different than that. Uh, but she started with the DraftKings Sportsbook and she's been having so much fun all season long. So she's ride or die for the next week or two with Golden State and looking to make a little bit of money thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook. Yep, absolutely. So folks, go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game. You get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. Yep. Yeah, so I, go ahead, Dan. I'm excited right away. Um, I, I really like this next dude quite a bit. Um, Caleb Bryce. Uh, Caleb Bryce, linebacker out of Florida Atlantic. Um, you know, he's one of those Mike inside linebackers that you and I both love, a smash mouth inside guy. Um, really nice tackler. I think uh, in his time in college and what I like about him, been watching him quite a bit. He's a little bit undersized for kind of that inside linebacker role, but he doesn't play like it. He's fast as hell. He's nasty to the point of contact and he runs really smooth for a guy at 230 plus pounds. So I really, really like um, what Caleb brings to the table, especially as an undrafted guy. Um, Wags, you know what? He's one of those guys, some guys, when there's a lot of, um, when there's a lot of um, traffic 
around him or around a guy at linebacker, they kind of get lost in the shuffle. He always seems to be avoiding guys from all the tape that I've watched. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Certainly he's going to have some battles. Our our good friend Ty Summers is going to be fighting for a roster spot this season. Number of other guys, I think about McDuffie. Um, So, you know, there's no shortage of inside linebackers right now in Green Green Bay either. But take a look. Keep your eye on um, on Bryce here from Florida Atlantic, small school guy looking to make a big time impact in Green Bay. Yeah, and he's, you know, he fits the mold of guys that the Packers have drafted or signed as undrafted free agents inside linebacker over the last few years. Uh, go back to Oren Burks. Um, you look at um, uh, certainly. Um, a guy like Ray Wilborn, undrafted free agent last year. Um, he Bryce is, you know, not the biggest guy, like you said, but 233 pounds. There's something about the mold of this of a, a linebacker like this that the Packers seem to be trying to bring in and hit on. Uh, and I, I don't know if we've seen it quite quite yet. Um, Chris Barnes is doesn't have quite the speed as a, a couple of those other guys that we mentioned, Bryce included. Uh, but he's another one that was maybe a little bit undersized that came in and Packers uh, obviously had a lot of playing time and uh, was one of the aforementioned guys that went from undrafted free agent to starting in his first year in Green Bay. So there's a lot of competition. We talked about the defensive line being a point of emphasis uh, for uh, the Packers front office this offseason. Clearly inside linebacker is much the same. Not only did we invest early and often, um, in uh, the draft, we in- invested in bringing back Devondre Campbell with the biggest uh, inside linebacker um, contract that we've ever gone out in, in team franchise history. Um, and then we went out and uh, still got a couple of guys in undrafted free agency to fill out the depth. I think we've got a lot of competition. And uh, Bryce, to me, the, the the immediate path with his size and his all guts, all heart, style of playing football is can he make this team playing special teams? And I, I think that's going to be the immediate path that he's going to have to put his mind to because um, there's a lot of guys ahead of him. And I'm not saying he can't beat him out mm-hmm. as a regular inside linebacker, but if, uh, if he can come in and make that impact on special teams and, and really get after it out there, he just, totally fits the profile of, uh, you know, um, that small school guy, two-star recruit, community college kid coming out of high school that uh, makes a run to the NFL. And how many other guys uh, have we seen that have been on this Packers roster over the years that have a kind of a similar background and a similar path to what Bryce is trying to take uh, to make this Packers team? That's great. That's great insight. I love it. And, you know, you look at Bryce and then on the other side of the coin, we go from a small, smaller school guy to maybe somebody who played at a high, high, big level school um, and somebody that, um, you know, I think some Packer fans might know if they're Wisconsin Badger fans and that's Ellis Brooks and Ellis Brooks, Penn State guy. He led the Nittany Lions in tackles the last two seasons, which is not easy to do playing in the Big Ten for, for a program like Penn State. And he comes into Green Bay, and I'll be curious to see kind of his role within this organization. He, you know, he's 6'1", 230-pound guy. 
Um, I think he he projects to be more of an inside linebacker, but I think he's still a work in progress as a potential pass rusher as well. He's kind of that in between. I think he probably starts at inside linebacker, but I'll be curious to see where he flows as training camp develops. But Wags, um, you know, he's not necessarily the flashiest guy on a defense, but you know, sometimes you just have dudes that are just solid out there. And he was really a solid piece for Penn State. He actually reminds me a few years ago of Borland from Wisconsin, for you uh, former Badger fans out there. Just a dude who just made tackles, was in the right place at the right time. And I think Ellis Brooks, you know, much like Bryce, is going to come in here battling with a lot of um, uh, a lot of the other guys and the veterans that are already on the roster. Uh, but, you know, he plays fast as well. He's a guy that kind of just keeps his feet moving, makes plays on the field. Uh, so Ellis Brooks, Penn State, inside linebacker, uh, coming to Green Bay as well and, you know, looking at a roster spot. Yeah, I, I like that Chris Borland a comparison. Uh, both guys a little short for an mm-hmm. inside linebacker. Uh, Brooks is measured at just a hair over 6'1", uh, 226. Um, not maybe the the 40 time that you'd like to see. You mentioned he plays faster on the field. Uh, I think that gets overlooked sometimes totally. uh, in pads. He, he, you know, especially at the linebacker position. I, I mean, really, if you can play instinctive, that makes up a, a lot for that initial burst. Uh, because I don't care what you say, if you're on your heels or you're not making a read on the play and you're a split second late, um, I don't, no matter how fast you are, you're not going to be able to make up for it uh, and you're going to be out of position. So um, uh, he's just a football player, highly productive, as you said, um, over 230 career tackles at Crazy. Penn State, yeah. 100 tackles last year in his senior season. Um, what I love about him is just the physicality that he brings. I, I think if you look at Bryce, he might be battling with some of the guys you mentioned, Chris Barnes, um, Ray Wilborn. Uh, those types of guys um, that fits the profile um, to perhaps back up Kwai Walker mm-hmm. and really uh, be a special teams contributor. I, I look at um, uh, Brooks is really maybe uh, it's a competition between he and Ty Summers, a friend of our podcast, who to uh, be that other backup inside linebacker. So those two guys could be really going at it to see who's able to make uh, the roster as maybe that fourth or fifth guy on the inside linebacker group, depending on how many they want to keep. Um, they are both, I think, um, from a physical standpoint, are pretty similar. Um, they're, they're both smart football players. Uh, both play with physicality um, and both just get after it. One quote that I really like that I saw about Ellis Brooks is from his uh, former high school coach. And uh, he said that, the thing about Ellis is that he just um, it just sounds different when he hits players than everyone else <laughs> is. This is what is his coach, former foot, uh, high school football coach says. He says, I can remember his freshman year. We were doing some sort of inside drill. And my back was turned to a play. Um, he, he collided with the fullback blocking. Uh, and uh, when he blew the defensive end up, I can remember turning around and going, what did I just hear? That sound he made when he hit people, the intensity he hit people, made a different sound than most high school kids. And so that's his former high school coach talking about Ellis Brooks. So that's kind of a, a cool uh, little Love anecdote. It. it just says a lot about uh, the type of player you're getting with Ellis Brooks. Um, again, maybe um, clearly based on his measurables, it, you can understand why he might have gone undrafted. 
Uh, but just like we said with these other guys, uh, you just never know uh, how that translates to the next level. Uh, love, obviously, I think it's clear to say he loves playing football, plays with an extra level of physicality. And when he gets guys in his graphs, I, I don't watch a ton of college football, but he's a standout player. Uh, when I saw him out there for Penn State, uh, there wasn't guys getting away from him. Uh, when he's there to make the tackle, uh, those guys go down. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, that, that's that's something that's an underrated skill sometimes uh, from an inside linebacker. Guess what? Tackling people is kind of important. So uh, <laughs> so I, I think um, he'll be someone to watch and, and see if he's able to come in and, and play with that uh, next level instinct early on uh, in the preseason and in some of those preseason games. Uh, he's certainly someone to keep an eye out and, and a watch out for as he makes a run for this roster. Yeah, love it. Love the insight, Wags. And you know what? Let's talk about Chauncey Manak. Uh, Chauncey, uh, coming from uh, over there in a, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, a defensive end over there, he's coming into play edge in Green Bay. Uh, one of the more competitive spots on the roster. We know who the top uh, couple dudes are, right? We know Preston Smith. We know Rashawn Gary, um, but you know what? Uh, we're going to see some battling for that four spot, that five spot at the at the edge spot there. And I look at somebody like a Chauncey uh, Manak, uh, six foot three, two hundred and forty seven pounds. He's long. He's able to sidestep these uh, these blockers incredibly well. Uh, will he be able to translate some of this work at the next level? remains to be seen, but I'll tell you what, he plays with an incredibly uh, strong, um, strong base. Um, he, he's able to have really good knee bend as well. You know, I love watching these pass rushers wags and the way that he gets after it. He, he uses his hand movement incredibly well. Uh, you don't see him on the ground very much either, which I love to see from a pass rusher. He doesn't get eaten up. Um, so you know what? Um, he's got a shot. Folks, he's got a shot to make the team if he comes into camp. He's got really good size. Um, you know, he's able to kind of get off these blockers really well, and he's got good vision against these blockers. So uh, keep an eye on him. I think Chauncey has a real shot to pop in camp. And you know what? There's a spot open for somebody, and it's up to a number of these guys to see who's going to seize it. But if it's close, don't be surprised if they go with uh, the young undrafted man, um, out of Louisiana Lafayette, even though he was a six-year senior wags. So again, a little bit older, a little bit more seasoned, but he's played some good football. He's put some good tape on the field. Yeah, very experienced uh, player. Started out at Georgia. So yet another uh, Georgia college player that the Packers keyed in on uh, before he transferred to Louisiana. So uh, I, I think clearly his medical background was why he went undrafted. Herniated disc that it required surgery and uh, was uh, not even sure if he would be able to continue playing football, but was able to come back after his COVID year. And as you said, be highly productive, 10 and a half sacks, um, had over 40 quarterback pressures. I mean, these are the types of numbers, Dane, that some of the edge rushers that went on day two were putting up. That's kind of where he's comparatively. Uh, But with the medical background, I, I think a lot of teams were, shying away from him and understandably so Uh, but the Packers uh, were able to get the inside track and get a quality undrafted free agent here in this edge group and um, I'll tell you what if he's able to stay healthy and uh, put together 
a good run uh, early in camp. Uh, I think he's going to have a great opportunity to make this 53-man roster. Um, the When you look at the maybe the, some lack of experience in the depth of that edge uh, position group as it stands today, Dane, would it be fair to say that the experience and depth at edge is probably the thinnest of any group mm-hmm. on this roster? Um, despite we've got two really strong players in Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, leading the way. But behind that, I, I feel like there are quite a few question marks. So I, I you mentioned you wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Packers still invest in a veteran free agent at the edge position at some point um, before this season starts. And that could definitely still happen. Uh, but if you look at a guy uh, here uh, that is uh, in Manac that's looking at an opportunity um, based on who he's going to be competing with, to make this 53-man roster. You've got Randy Ramsey coming off uh, several injury-plagued seasons. You've got Jonathan Garvin that, um, while you know his athletic profile says that he has a lot of potential, he's coming into his third year and, frankly, uh, hasn't uh, really shown a ton yet, I don't think. So he's going to have to make a jump for the Packers to continue to invest time into developing him. Um, and, 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 again, you go on down the line. Um, I, I like – what some of these guys individually might be able to bring to the team, but collectively it's hard to look at that group and say, we're in a really strong spot. Right. So uh, hopefully uh, Manak is part of the solution and is able to come in and uh, be that unheralded undrafted guy that um, is able to put it all together, stay healthy and and really contribute. Uh, But you have to figure he looked at this depth uh, chart on the Packers and said, that's where I want to go uh, because I feel like that's going to be as good of a chance as any uh, to land a NFL job. And uh, based on his productivity, I certainly can't blame him for feeling that way. Wags, and I think that's overlooked sometimes by folks. I mean, it's almost be- I think I would argue it is definitely better to go undrafted than being a seventh round guy. Undrafted, you and your agent get to choose where you want to go. You get to negotiate a little bit more um, with some guaranteed money as well. Um, So to your point, I think that he's able to get out here. He sees it and he goes, you know what? He's got as good a chance of any uh, of some of these guys on the back end of the roster that are fighting for a spot to at the very least earn a practice squad spot. But hell, uh, with a good camp, he's earning 53. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's it's one of those things where, um, they're all going to be evaluated very evenly. Nobody, not, not a single one of those guys should feel like they have an inside track to make this roster. So it's going to be a fun competition and hopefully they're all up to the challenge and it's a good competition. And the Packers coaching staff isn't left scratching their heads, wondering what they're going to do to be able to give Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary a, a few snaps off here and there throughout the game. Yeah. Wags, um, let's get to the DBs. And I'm just, spoiler alert, I'm just calling it right now. Don't care. Raleigh Tejeda is making the roster out of camp. He is my he is my choice, undrafted uh, defensive player. If we had to choose one, that's who I'm picking. Cornerback Raleigh Tejeda. I really, really like what he's going to be able to bring here to this Packers defense. Um, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, not only, you know, you talk about the pass rushers, the, the Packers being top heavy kind of with those two premier pass rushers in Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. Let's talk about corner. Jair Alexander with a brand new contract. Of course, Razul Douglas, brand new contract. Eric Stokes, 
incredible season last year. After that, some question marks. Um, we saw Shamar last year. The Packers used a fifth-round pick on him. I think the coaches really seem to like this young guy. Um, Kavion Ento still on this roster as well. There's some other guys out there um, as well uh, on this roster. But I think there's a prime opportunity for Raleigh Tejeda out of Baylor to come and earn a spot on this roster. Um, he's fast as hell, man. He's a, he's a four three five forty guy wags, and I say that because of special teams. There's potential for him to be a gunner uh, on teams, and he's going to have to earn it on teams as much as anything. But I think that he's got really good ball skills. He's kind of got that elite speed, but he's also a guy. He actually kind of reminds me a little bit of Jair. Um, he's kind of got that like swag about him when he puts pads on. He's grabbing at the football if the guy catches it. He looks pissed if a guy catches a football against him. So I really like the intensity that he brings to the field. He seems incredibly athletic as well, Wags. Um, you know, he moves well. Some corners you look at and they look a little bit stiff or look a little bit out of place. He looks like a guy who is born to be a cornerback. He moves so well out of breaks, is really sticky on wide receivers. So Raleigh Tejeda, really excited to see what he's able to bring into camp because I think the sky's the limit with this guy to earn a spot. Yeah, I echo everything you said. I mean, and this is a guy that played a ton of games, 53 games in his college awesome. career at Baylor. Um, I, I, I only allowed a completion rate of 61%, 12.6 yards per catch, a sound tackler. Just yeah. didn't really get beat in, in, in his position on the field. Um, uh, really, I think, smart player, instinctual player, um, didn't let guys get uh, over the top on him kept guys in front of him uh, when they were uh, playing softer coverage and playing off the line of scrimmage. So um, I think he's a guy that plays smart. And I'm excited, as you said, for uh, Riley to come in and really just learn from the veteran group of young veteran corners that are at that position group ahead of him right now. Because as you said, that swag that he plays with, that confidence that he plays with, that can just manifest itself when you've got guys like uh, Jair, when you've guys got Stokes, when you've got Razul Douglas, and all of those guys can feed off of each other. And I think Riley, uh, from a culture standpoint, fits with that group really well. So I, too, am excited to be able to see what he's going to be able to do in camp. Yeah, Wags, and you know what? He plays – I remember a few years ago when we talked about defensive backs for the Packers and there was a lot of missed tackles. That was probably four or five years ago now, but there were a couple of years there where it was like, oh my gosh, every week, missed tackle, missed tackle, missed tackle. Um, you know, in special teams, you need guys that are able to just kind of go out there, throw themselves around a little bit, sell out for the game, sell out for their teammates. I've watched Raleigh Tejeda um, fly around uh, when he's playing defense. And I think it just lends itself to the special teams attitude that the new coaching staff at special teams is bringing in here. They're going to love a guy who just wants to get down the field as fast as he can and just run into somebody. And I think that that's what he's going to do. And he's not reckless when he does it. He does it with purpose. And I love that about him. I just think that he's got this layer to his game. And you said it, there's these veterans in the front end of the roster I think he kind of reminds me his tackling ability a little bit, even of Jair. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not comparing him to Jair Alexander. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but 
I love Jair's always been a guy who looks like he likes to tackle the ball carrier. And Tejeda has that same kind of energy about him. He just gets up there and he sticks guys. And I just love to watch that kind of thing. It gets me excited to watch a young guy play. Yeah. And I think talking about tackling, this is the one guy I'm confident that I can definitely pronounce his name. Uh, safety <laughs> Trey Sterling out of Oklahoma <laughs> state. Uh, this is a guy that likes to hit Dane. Um, I, I went, when undrafted, I think one of the question marks with Trey uh, is his ball skills. He uh, had a, a very high completion rate that uh, on passes that were thrown his way. But one thing that doesn't get questioned is his tackling ability. Um, was a, a leader in all of college football, 29 stops, uh, playing the, the back end as a safety. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see if the Packers take a look at Trey Sterling and uh, where might he fit if they're going to be, if he's going to be given an opportunity to make a run at this roster, I think he's more likely going to be needed to try to land on the practice squad. If mm -hmm. he wants a job this year, I think that's the more likely route. Um, I, I'm not sure that you I, I learn ball skills as a safety uh, going to the next level from college to the pros. Uh, but certainly I think he's going to have an opportunity uh, to uh, maybe uh, play a little bit more in the box. And so it depends on what the Packers coaching staff sees of him out there. But um, if he can contribute on special teams and uh, I, as we talk about inside linebacker, guess what? At safety, tackling kind of matters so uh, it's not an underrated skill so I don't I don't want to undersell that by any means but um, I think that is going to be his path to making this roster is if he can be a standout and make some impact plays on special teams as a tackler not necessarily a gunner with his speed but I think that could be an opportunity or if they're looking for someone to be that in the box safety um, I don't see him making a run at, you know, playing a lot of snaps on the 53 if he were to make a run and make the roster. But certainly he could be a guy that would be next in line to come in and give you some snaps as more of an in-the-box type of safety, more than likely um, than, than playing the deep safety or too high, uh, trying to cover a quadrant of the field. Uh, as a uh, uh, in coverage doesn't seem to be his strength right now, but um, Packers are going to bring him in and see what they can do to develop him. And you never know, maybe he's going to be a diamond in the rough uh, with his physicality to get out there and, and be able to bring it uh, coming from that back end and, um, and laying the wood on some guys as they're trying to make that uh, a juke and make that touchdown breaking run to get into the end zone. So I I'm excited about Trey as well. Um, I, I think, uh, he, he has maybe a little bit more of a limited upside, uh, but certainly as a football player uh, brings a, a lot of qualities that you like to see uh, into the program as well. Yeah, just a tough dude, right? He plays tough. I think that he he could be really consistent against the run um, with the ability to grow. I agree on, on kind of the practice squad route potentially for him, um, but you never know. Guys flash a little bit in camp. You just never know what's going to happen. But I'll be curious to see because I think some of that's married to where the Packers end up really utilizing somebody like Tariq Carpenter. Um, one, one of the rookies, if he's able to stick, is he more of a linebacker? Is he more of a safety? He's 230 pounds, but he's listed as a safety. Um, you know, so that I think is going to be a little bit telling. And then, of course, 
battling with the guys like our, our boy Ennis Gaines and Vernon Scott and Sean Davis and others. Um, so, you know, opportunity is there on this roster uh, if he's able to seize it. But at the same time, it might take a little bit of seasoning because I just don't see a scenario where the Packers are throwing out an undrafted free agent on the back end of this defense this season. It just doesn't feel like that's the fit this year for the Packers. I think that they like to get these guys into their organization, get them to feel the flow for a season, and then come next season, barring some kind of injury, kind of work them into the fold. That's what the Packers seem to really like to do with some of these young DBs. Yeah, um, that seems to be their MO for Mm -hmm. sure. So, um, uh, Dane, any other comments? I think that rounds out all of the undrafted free agents uh, that the Packers picked up on the defensive side. No, super fun. Uh, super fun to have these guys in camp. Looking forward to to you know watching them and and seeing seeing who's going to differentiate themselves uh, come training camp. For sure. Um, just a quick shout out to the chat. Uh, Lee eighty six, Shadid Kelly, Dan Bano. Thanks so much thanks, for guys. joining us. You guys have been on before. We appreciate you jumping on and joining the chat uh, again here tonight. Uh, but I think that just about does it for this evening so as always be legendary and go pack go go every year i know we're gonna go hard we've been that team ever since bart star all my cheese heads go pack go ain't show with no mercy cutting no slack no i ain't the best sport and i'll leave the wish you good luck only thing i will